Longhorn Nation is game week, and I got John Garcia Jr., Director of Football Recruiting of Sports Illustrated, on to talk about the big matchup of the weekend, your Texas Longhorns versus the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. Yes, your favorite football team plays football tomorrow, Longhorn Nation. Let's go. We're going to talk about what we expect from this offense and how much we want to see from Quinn Ewers. And we have to talk about the defense. How many points is too many to give up against the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks? And then we start a tradition on Locked on Longhorns this week. Me and John Garcia Jr. are going to pick the biggest games of the week each week for college football outside of the Longhorns. And whoever has the most wins at the end of the season gets a bottle of, you guessed it, Bijan Musterson. I'm so excited for this football season. I'm so excited to have you all with me. LFG. And as always, hook em. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. John Garcia, Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated, joining me. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. John, we are getting, well, actually, the season, this, so this is being recorded on a Thursday. Y'all are going to hear it on Friday. So really, the, the season starts for real, for real uh, tonight. But Texas plays in a couple of days. And, and Texas is going to war with the ULM Warhawks. Uh, coming off of a four and eight season, although they did have uh, a statement win last year against Liberty uh, and Malik Willis, who is now in the NFL plan for the Tennessee Titans. They also hang cl hung close with LSU, only losing by 13 points. Now, given uh, what LSU did last year, I'm not sure how much of an accomplishment uh, that is, right? So the Warhawks were 97th in total defense last year, and they lost their defensive coordinator. But their linebacker core is the strength of their team. So what do you expect from Sark and this Texas offense against ULM on Saturday? Look, this is um, obviously, you know, one of the games that you should roll within uh, before Roll Tide comes to town, of course. And I think that's <laughs> that's really what this game feels like it's about. Uh, Sark will never say that. The players won't say that. You know, coach speak, all that stuff. We get it. But it's kind of that balance of we're Texas – we have a new quarterback that we need to bring along to a pretty large degree because the following week, Big Bad Bama comes to town. So it's it's this blend of we want to move him along and show some things, but do we want to show everything before you know before Alabama rolls through? So I, I think it's a really interesting approach from Steve Sarkeesian, and it can go a lot of ways. You can go totally conservative, let Bijan and that great running back room take care of things, maybe roll some play action off of that, get the guys going a little bit, build the lead, pull them off the field. Or you can say, hey, this is going to be the the all, all the preseason hype of this quarterback battle built into one game. And you you let Quinn go and you let him rip it to conserve Bijan and those guys. And and you let him rip it and and really build some confidence and and some rapport with these receivers because look when you're when you're rotating with the first team uh and there's so many great receivers on this roster but when you're rotating with the ones you only build rapport with certain guys it's really hard to find that with a lot of them um and and there's still nothing no disrespect to to any school there's still nothing like the heat of the battle even when it's ulm there's still nothing like making those adjustments you're still dealing with scholarship players at the FBS level. So there's still talent on the field, particularly like you said, Jonathan, when ULM is on defense. And look, that's what this is about, right? I mean, I think this is all about Quinn Ewers and Sarkeesian and putting something on, on tape that you feel good about uh, and comfortable with going into to Alabama. I think on the other side of the ball, you know, there's some interesting transfers at, at ULM. 
uh, Juco quarterback coming in, legitimate dual threat. So I think that will be good to uh, to get the defense and those linebackers going against a mobile threat because obviously you're going to deal with Bryce Young in, in week two and you've got some some really mobile threats throughout the Big 12. So I think that will be a good tune-up uh, just athletically. Um, but look, the, the Texas defense is going to get a confidence boost against ULM and, and it's needed, right? That is the side of the ball where there are a ton more question marks and there are a lot of more new names that really need to to jump in and figure this thing out, whether it's an impressive freshman seeing the field like a Justice Finkley, who we've talked about, or a transfer portal player coming in trying to get this thing right on that side of the ball. They need those reps. So I would expect that unit, that starting unit, and a lot of the two deep to get a ton of reps against ULM, uh, maybe more importantly, than all of the Quinn or Steve Sarkeesian talk because that group needs to be solidified against what we know is going to be an offensive juggernaut in, in Alabama. So I'm expecting a, a very good showing for Texas on both sides of the ball, but I'm curious, like I'm sure you've talked about probably at, at nausea at this point, just how the approach is with Sarkeesian offensively. Do you open the thing up and, and let Quinn go, which is kind of where I lean towards or do you play conservative football to where you're not really, you know, stretching out that Ewer's arm as much as as you normally would? Uh, so I, I think that could be a detriment to to Quinn going into that second game. You know, at a, I'd rather show more uh, from a play design and personnel standpoint and get those reps in with my starter than playing conservatively and 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 not showing at least a strong hand not the full deck but at least a strong hand you know 75 percent of, of what you want to do um especially considering the familiarity that Saban has with Steve right you know this is an offense that he knows inside and out uh, he knows what Steve likes from a, a, a mismatch standpoint which is really kind of his calling card so I, I think there's so much known with how he operates as an offensive coach uh and an eventual game planner uh that you don't need to conserve on that point you know and and you and conversely you that can allow Quinn to get much more comfortable which is I think the most important storyline for the whole season right because it's mm -hmm. it's the balance of how comfortable do we let him versus you know playing it safe almost against Alabama I, I just think there's so many dynamics within that mentally that will be the most important thing to pull from from the game itself yeah, so uh, somebody asked me that the other day. I, I did a live on YouTube, and they said, do you think Sark keeps it vanilla? And I said, no. I mean, well, I, I don't know if he's going to keep it vanilla or not. I don't think he should, right? right? Like, this is week one. We're in the games now. This isn't practice. This is a scrimmage. Let it go. And I think naturally he's going to keep some things in his back pocket because I don't think he knows fully yet because they haven't played a game together what Quinn Ewers is comfortable with. So I think that's going to come along each week. You know, he's going to understand what I can call for Quinn. So naturally, he's not going to throw the whole playbook out there week one. But no, I'm not a fan of halfback power, halfback counter, halfback dive because it's ULM. <laughs> I think you need right. to go out there and, and have some splash plays as well. So speaking of uh, Quinn Ewers, the mullet number three, uh, the starting quarterback, I was going to come on here and make the argument that Quinn Ewers should play the whole game, right? We talk about um, a red shirt freshman, somebody getting, uh, you know, as many reps as possible. Next week is likely the hardest game of his Texas career, right? And so right, it would make right. sense to get in there and, and get him as many reps as possible. But then I thought about it, right? I guess like cooler heads prevailed, you know, like like logic <laughs> came into my head and I was like, okay, if we have question marks on this first team offensive line, 
and Sark says he wants to play a whole bunch of players. That I don't know if I want Quinn Ewers behind that second team offensive line. So I, I was like, okay, all right, let me chill, right? But how much do you want to see Quinn Ewers play? Like kind of regardless of the score. Obviously, if it's close, he'll play the whole game, but we don't expect it to be close. So how much do you want to see Quinn Ewers on Saturday? As much as possible. I'm, I'm with your original gut feeling. Uh, this okay, is, okay. I thought I was crazy. Maybe not. Well, look, it's not only is this the, the first um, – you know, spotlight deal for Sark and, and Quinn together and AJ Milwee, he should be included in this. But Quinn Ewers hasn't played big time football in a long time. We're talking about 2020, the COVID year was the last time at South Lake Carroll that he was the guy. And I don't know how, how familiar your audience is with this, but he was banged up that whole year. He was yeah. dealing with, I think, like a sports hernia. He had to have surgery. So it really 2019 is the last time we saw a comfortable Quinn Ewers. Um, so, and that was sophomore year of high school. So this is, this is a kid that has all the talent in his right arm, but man, he needs about as many reps as possible. So I do, I do understand the point of, well, if the second team offensive line comes in, Hudson card is more mobile, more experienced. He can kind of protect himself in between the margins a little bit more. Absolutely. That, that all, makes sense but by all indication Quinn Ewers is healthy for the first time healthy and the starter for the first time in in two and a half years and I think that warrants about as much experience as one game can can create within reason because look this first team offensive line is super young as well right we talked about yeah. a couple freshmen that will be starting a bunch of sophomores are on that line as well so that unit alone needs a, a ton of reps uh, so I think just yeah the personnel decisions from Steve in, in this game, to me, that that's that's the entire storyline. But selfishly, um, as as a fan of college football, I want I want Texas to be as best prepared for the upset bid as possible. And for me, that means showing more and playing more when it comes to to number three. Uh, so I, I think I think you know 60, 70 plays would would be ideal for Quinn Ewers, even if you score quickly uh, early on. Uh, just just getting that the, that in-game experience, I think, will be uh, will be incredibly valuable. And again, this isn't this isn't a, a you know Division two school either, you know, or or even an FCS program. This ULM's got got some guys that are going to have an opportunity to, you know, to be you know some of the best in the group of five. So I, I do think that it's it's a worthy opponent to do this against because it won't be seventy-five to seven, you know, at the end of this game. So I, I do think that. There's there's some credence to playing Quinn more than uh, more more than less. Yeah, my teachers told me from a young age I always go in my gut, and here I am, 28 years old, about to turn 29, <laughs> and still can't do it right. So uh, you mentioned that <laughs> the score won't be 78 to seven. Before we get into a word from our sponsors, real quick, the line is set at 38 and a half. Does Texas cover? Oh gosh, um, if if Sark does what we kind of both want him to do, yes, I, I think this this can be a um, you know, 52 to 10 kind of game um, if if they open it up to a degree. Not all the way, but again, show a strong hand, not the full deck. I think you can, you know, put up points like that. And again, that's, that's what you want. You want both sides need confidence here. The offense is going to be confident, you know, outside of Ewers, at least as far as what we know at this point. But you need him to come along and match those guys. And then defensively, the whole unit. 
needs to to feel that. Um, so I do think that again, you're you're gonna play those guys a little bit more than you normally would given the first couple games of the schedule because Texas needs that too. You know, it's not like this is a program that we know so very much about to the point where there's only a couple little tiny questions to answer in the tune-up game. This is this is not that. So I do think that Texas has an opportunity to cover if if there's not a conservative approach. Yeah, to cover 38 and a half, the defense is going to have to be excellent. And we're going to talk about the defense next against ULM. And then later on in the show, we're going to pick some of the biggest games of week one of college football with John Garcia. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction time slow down when you slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. That's some inspirational stuff right there. <laughs> they had us reading on Locked On Longhorns, man. All right, so the ULM offense was ranked 128th last year, and they had one of the worst O-lines in college football. You talked about um, at quarterback, they have Chandler Rogers. Uh, who was there last year. Um, he's going to be starting. He's from Mansfield, Texas. And their new offensive coordinator, Matt Kubik, spent three years at Louisiana Monroe from 2016 to 2019, averaged 31 points a game while he was there, and had the 17th ranked offense in the country his last year in 2019. So you talked a little bit about the defense earlier, but let's expound on that. What do you expect to see from this defense? Because like you said, both sides have question marks. This isn't a game where, you know, we know what we're going to see from this defense. So what do you expect, you know, to, to see from this defense against a ULM team that might be able to put up some points? Yeah, I think the difference here is that the defense at Texas does have this experience. It does have this group of guys who have at least been there and, and kind of gone through the ups and downs at Texas. So from a game planning standpoint, you can play more aggressively. You can open it up even more so because those guys have already gone through so much of that in their Texas careers uh, or, or their careers previously, if they've, if they've transferred in or what have you. So there's a lot more upperclassmen and experience on that side of the football. So I think you can allow for more freedom uh, without worry. Um, I think um, if this was about bringing in a lot of freshmen and letting them get experience, you, you probably dial it back a little bit, but you know, those ULM teams that you were referencing, they ran the ball incredibly well. They set the tone that way and then played off of that. Uh, so if that becomes the game plan, you got to feel really good about Texas because your 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 D line is massive. When when Collins and Coburn and those guys are are on, they'll flash. They'll flash. Uh, so I do think that that part of of the defense should feel most confident working downhill. Um, but what's interesting about Rodgers, as you mentioned earlier. He's a legit dual threat. You know, he ran for over a thousand yards his senior year of high school. So this is this presents a different type of option to where if you are overly aggressive, even if their desire is to run the football, what comes off of that? RPO, play action, quarterback boot, pulling the football uh, and, and putting more stress on, on your back seven defenders to corral a, a pretty elusive runner. So I do think that that will be interesting early on as Texas is maybe overly aggressive and has some success at stopping the run, that secondary part of the game where you start to make adjustments to the game plan. That's that's the moment for me where we're going to find out if Texas is going to cover. You know, when we get towards the end of the first quarter, 
through halftime, that's when we're going to find out uh, just how um, disciplined this Texas defense is going to be because that is the, the range where you want to mix it up if you're ULM. If you want to pull an upset bid, you, you've got to hang around by halftime. you got to be you know within seven or ten points uh, or so. So that's when you're going to pull out your trick plays. That's when you're going to pull out your – your uh, gadget deals to try to keep this team off balance, especially again, if you do want to establish the run. So playing off of that will be really, really critical, you know, end of the first quarter through the second quarter. So that's kind of the range where hopefully we can change the channel and get to some other games from a national perspective. But if there's an upset bid or a lack of discipline on that mature defense, that is when it will start to show. And the, then a little bit of panic mode will, will start to come back to this fan base, but I don't expect that to happen. I think this unit, again, has a ton of experience. I, I think their ex experience, I should say, and there's a lot of playmakers here who flash. Uh, and I think that is the group that has to continue to do so while you work in some younger guys as the game wears on. Cause you know, you're just Finkley's, uh, your Terrence Brooks is of the world. Got to get on the field to get some experience because when, when you, again, get to week two, which nobody will acknowledge on that roster or coaching staff, but when you get to week two, you're going to need all, all the bullets, all the cards in the deck, whatever metaphor you want to use, you're going to need all hands on deck to, to try to pu pull that upset bid, which will be, which would be a program changing kind of deal. Remember we, we're talking about just contend with Alabama, but if you pull it off, now everything feels different. So you have to stack the chips to make that, you know, the, the highest you know possibility possible. And, and for me, that means dominant early on defense. And then you start sprinkling in the young guys who do need reps, just like Quinn Ewers does. Yeah. So as the host of Locked on Longhorns and somebody who covers Texas football, even if the score is 150 to zero, unfortunately, I still got to watch the whole game. Right? <laughs> so I can come on here and talk about it in front of y'all. But you made a really good point about the experience. You know, it might be under a different coordinator or it might be at a different position, but they do have a lot of experience on that defensive side of the football. Really quickly, how many points is too many for ULM or how many points which should be a cause for concern for this Texas defense if they give it up? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I think – the days of just dominating a lesser opponent and shutting them out are really hard to uh, to continue, right? Because these offenses are so multiple. You're going to be rotating guys in. Um, and, and, you know, ULM brought in transfers too. They brought in some Power 5 guys as well uh, who are going to have a lot at stake. The way that we're viewing Texas versus Alabama, ULM is viewing Texas as like, hey, this is our chance to – to really, you know, put, put ourselves on the map. If you're, you know, one of these transfer wide receivers, you're like, hey, this is my opportunity to to, to put my name out there and, and get some love. So I, I think that it's hard to to put a small number on it. But I think if you're in the in the 10 to 20 range, you feel good about it, provided the offense does what what it has to do and gets it towards the, you know, five, six, seven touchdown mark. I think you feel pretty good about you know, being near 50 and, and keeping them in the teens, I, I think that's about as, as ideal uh, of a game scenario as you could expect in 2022, where, again, you know, the rules, the strategy, the personnel all favors the offense, all things even in, in at every level of football. So I, I think it's it would be naive to say, yeah, it's got to be 50 to zero. You know, that's that's something for, you know, for the 90s or early 2000s. That's not something we could really talk about too much this uh, in this day and age. So I, I think keeping them in the teens is probably where I would start that conversation. Yeah, look, 
you know, I know we all want the style points, but really there's only two numbers that matter, and that's one and oh, right? And so Texas just needs to go one and oh. So a quick word from our sponsors, and then me and John Garcia are going to pick the biggest games of Let's week go. one of college football. I'm excited. Dwell in Austin and Hill Country mortgages combined to make your Longhorn real estate team in a changing, more complex market. You need to work with the top professionals in Austin. Our data and information-driven approach gives our clients a significant advantage. And our clients, for years, have outperformed the market, leveraging our proprietary research, information, and expertise, which is now more important than ever. For any real estate needs in the Austin area, make sure you're going to the Longhorn Real Estate Team at www.longhornrealestateteam.com. Hill Country Mortgages, LLC, in NMLS 2324262, Jonathan Sarver, NMLS 993872, equal housing opportunity. All right, John, so I'm going to try to do this with you as much as possible throughout the season. We're going to pick games. And, you know, I had um, the biggest Aggie hater in the world on the show yesterday. It actually, well, I guess it drops today. Um, well, yesterday, if y'all hearing this on Friday, my bad. Uh, Kyle Umlang, you know, he came on the show, the, the, the Aggie hater, right? And, and we he picked... Texas to lose to Oklahoma State. I picked Texas to lose to Kansas State. And so we made a bet that if the inverse happens, I guess, we'll put a friendly bottle of Bijan Musterson on it. So before we, before we get into this first week of picks, you know, I might be able to track these all season. And, you know, whoever has a losing record might have to buy the other one a bottle of Bijan Musterson. What do you say, John Garcia? Do you want to do that? Let's do it. Let's do it. But how much Musterson do you need, though? Like, no, I, I don't. It's, <laughs> hey, man, it's, I don't even really like Dijon Mustard. You know, what, it's just wait, kind of what, for display, right? It's, it's, for it's di- like display. It's like on, on Undisputed when they bet Diet Mountain Dew, right? It's yeah. just, you know, it's just, we're not going to bet money. So it's just a friendly wager. All right. So I'll keep track of these at the end of the season. Whoever cool. wins gets a bottle of Bijan Musterson. Let's do it. Good. All right. First game. So once again, I have to remind y'all, this is being recorded on Thursday, but you'll hear it on Friday. So we're about to pick pit West Virginia, but by the time you'll hear this, you'll know what happened in the game, right? Okay. Pit West Virginia, the return of the backyard brawl, just a nasty blue collar rivalry. And I'm old enough to remember a pit team possibly keeping West Virginia out of the national championship in yep. 2007. So a lot of bad blood here, pit West Virginia, man, tonight, who you got? I got Pitt. I think West Virginia is going to be pretty advantageous with their personnel. Uh, they've they've got a coaching staff that could be on the block or the chopping block here. So I think they'll be loose with it uh, as much as you can in, in a game one. So it'll be close. The rivalry is real. Again, for those who don't understand, that's, that is close proximity, hatred, different states, all the things that make a great rivalry. That one really, really fits the bill. But I just think Pitt has too much offensive firepower. Uh, Keaton Slovis is going to be, you know, if they did a comeback player of the year kind of thing in college football, he'd be a a strong candidate for that. I I think he's going to light it up. And even without Jordan Addison, that Pitt receiver core is really darn good. Uh, So I think they're going to be able to light it up against a West Virginia defense that hasn't been great over the last few years and lost some of their best players through the portal. So I just don't know on that side of the ball how they can contend. I do think offensively with JT Daniels, the former Georgia quarterback, they'll do some things, but I just think if it gets to shootout status, that plays right into Pitt's hands. So it'll be close, but I like Pitt uh, to, to keep it, uh, to keep it like, I guess, keep them at bay. Uh, Cause look, yeah. they're, they're the defending ACC champs. I've, I've never seen a 
reigning conference champion, like not talked about, like we're not talking about Pitt this year. So they've got some internal motivation as well, the whole Jordan Addison thing. So I think they'll play like it, pretty emotional, and, and that offense will light it up pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that JT Daniels is going to have a really good year at West Virginia. I think that's going to be an explosive offense. Graham Harrell, uh, now the offensive coordinator, calling plays. Uh, so they're going to throw the ball a lot. Um, but, yeah, I think Pitt just ultimately has too much. I think Pitt's at home as well. Um, and I think that's why they're favored by like seven and a half. So, uh, yeah, I just can't pick West Virginia to, to, to win this game. So I'm going Pitt as well. The next one is Ohio State, Notre Dame, uh, two top five teams. But if you looked at the line, you wouldn't think so, right? Because Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman's first game is a 17 and a half point dog uh, going against C.J. Stroud. And what might be, well, I'll say, since we're on Locked on Longhorns, the second best offensive weapon in the country <laughs> in Jackson Smith and Jig. But shout out to B. John Musterson. So who you got in this game, uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame? And, and what's up with this line, man? 17 and a half for a top five team? What's going on? Yeah, if if I was betting the spread, I would definitely take the Irish in in this one. I think there's there's too much talent at, at Notre Dame. They they've gone through some injuries uh here and there uh in the offseason, but they've got they're actually going to play a dual threat quarterback, which feels crazy uh, talking about with Notre Dame. They they've got Marcus Freeman who's, you know, the defensive coach. I, I think they'll be able to try to slow down Trevion Henderson uh defensively, but I do think yeah, I just think Ohio State offensively, my gosh. They, they can do anything. They can do anything you need them to do. You dedicate, you drop defenders. Travion Henderson's like a top three running back, maybe two in the country. Um, that offensive line is massive. Multiple first rounders probably playing on that line too. And then obviously if you load the box, Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming, they've got they've got the best maybe receiver core in the country on top of it. So and a Heisman type quarterback. So it, it's really hard to imagine, even with their defense not being great. Although I do think they'll be better under Jim Knowles after poaching him from Okie State, poaching him from the Pokes. I do think that they have too much offensive firepower. This this could be this could be a fun game because uh, I do think Notre Dame's offense has a little bit more juice on the outside and Tyler Buckner. Could be a, a star in the making. He is a legit, legit dual threat, which, again, we don't often associate with Notre Dame under Brian Kelly, pro-style vanilla offense, holding them back, all those things. So I do think Notre Dame will be a much more fun offensive team to watch, but too much offense at OSU. Yeah, you talked about those receivers at Ohio State. I bet Justin Fields wish he should have took some of them with him, you know, to Chicago. <laughs> who they got, but they got him out there throwing too. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I just think that, like you said, Ohio State has too much offensive firepower. I think C.J. Stroud started off a little slow, but since he figured it out, I mean, he's been lights out, dynamic, and uh, I think he should be the favorite to to win the Heisman this year, even over Bryce Young. So yeah, I got to go Ohio State. I do think uh, that Notre Dame line is a little disrespectful, seventeen and a half, but. You know, I mean, they go off of analytics and, and we do have a decade's worth of data showing, you know, Notre Dame not showing up against these top tier teams. So I don't know. But, you know, I, I got Ohio State in, in that one. So we both start off uh, with the same picks as far as Pittsburgh and Ohio State. Now we go to Oregon and, and Bo Nix is transferred in. He's going to be the starting quarterback for the Oregon Ducks. They're ranked 11th in the country. And you have Georgia, the defending national champions, who a lot of people think may take a step back this year. We talked about this uh, game on the show before, and you gave me a bunch of reason as to why Oregon might pull off the upset in this game. So now it's time to actually put it on wax. Who you got? I got Georgia. <laughs> it's Look, it's there, you can talk yourself into Oregon. Look, this, will be, this could be the best game of the weekend. I, I do think, especially with it being indoors and all that turnover on the Georgia defense, uh, I do think that there are some matchups that really favor Oregon. Bo Nix is 
ultra uber experienced against any type of defense you throw at him. He seems to play great in these openers. I remember him beating Oregon a couple of years ago, and it was I think he was a freshman, and it was just like what? Yeah, like I, I couldn't believe yeah. the clutchness he played with. He's a little wild with it, but he's he's very athletic. He can get away from some of this pass rush, and I think conversely. The strength of Georgia is obviously on the interior, right? Offensive line, running backs, tight ends, best tight end room in the country. Oregon under Mario Cristobal is built to stop that. They are built for the trenches, and they've got some of the best linebackers in college football that will soon be in the NFL with Justin Flo and, and Noah Sewell. So they are built to stop that. But over to me, over the long haul of the game, especially with the transition, Oregon's roster had to make up front, I do think Georgia's too big and too physical over time to to allow Oregon to to really mess with them offensively. And Stetson Bennett is really athletic in his own right. Big chip on his shoulder. I think he'll make some clutch plays like he did in the national title game to put them over the top late in this game. I don't know what the spread is in front of me, but it's another one where I think I would take the spread for the Ducks. But in the game itself, I think Georgia's going to pull it out late yeah i think that's around maybe 14 but i'm my first gut is telling me it's around 17 i I believe something like that so i I put some fake money on uh, yeah hammer that put some bijan musterson on that one right yeah (laughs) um look these are the types of picks that win these types of things right like we can't all pick the same games and we talked about you know oregon and and bo nicks and you know they're like we're forgetting they're the 11th ranked team in the country you know i know the ap poll really doesn't mean a whole bunch right but this isn't just some scrub oregon team why not, man? I got Oregon beating Georgia, man. I, I, I got, I'm I taking the difference. I got Oregon beating Georgia. I had already, you know, put it in my chest the other day. Somebody asked me, uh, you know, what do you want, right? I'm <laughs> just on confidence and bravado, right? I got That's Oregon right. against Georgia on Saturday. All right, LSU, Florida State. Um, I guess if this was 10 years ago, this would be a big game. But, uh, man, it would be the game. <laughs> it would be the game, right? Uh, <laughs> but they're marketing it this week, at least like it's a big game. But Florida State's coming off a win. I don't know who they play at, HBCU? Who did they play? They played Not Duquesne. Play. Oh, okay. Duquesne. No disrespect to Duquesne. No disrespect, no disrespect to the HBCUs. I went to an HBCU, you know, but uh <laughs> and then LSU, uh the first game of the Brian Kelly era. So who you got in this game? LSU or Florida State? I like Florida State. I think they have the Ooh. advantage playing one game. Yes, it was against Duquesne, but they have a lot of transfers on offense, and those guys showed up. Uh, I thought the running back room looked deep. They've got maybe the most interesting running quarterback in the country in Jordan Travis, uh, and, and they've got some big transfer wide receivers on top of that, including the Pittman kid from Oregon. So I actually like this FSU offense. The O-line's still a big question mark, and LSU's D-line is a strength. So that's in this pick, that's kind of the worry point. But on the other side of the ball, I think FSU's small and fast, uh, and I like their secondary. And, and that's really where we expect LSU to challenge teams with Keyshawn Boutte and this great wide receiver core not not feeling solid about Jaden Daniels as the starter there. Um, I, I just don't know. And that offensive line is going to be um, up and down as well. They're going to start a true freshman at left tackle. So 
I actually think Florida State's defensive line could be kind of become the story of this game. And I do think that if they build the lead, LSU is going to need to throw the ball. And FSU's strength on defense is their secondary. So it won't be a blowout by any stretch or anything like that. But I do like, especially on a neutral site, I do like Florida State in this game uh, narrowly. I just think they have a little bit more juice offensively, which is probably a welcome sight. We haven't talked about that with FSU in, in quite some time. Um, and I think this would be a huge statement win for Mike Norvell, who needs a couple of these in theory to hold on to his gig. Uh, and I think it's going to take time for Brian Kelly. That's a whole different um, strategy and style coming to the Bayou. So I think it's going to take some time for that to uh, to be fully realized. So early on, especially with one game experience, give me the Knowles. Yeah, Texas fans, who said starting a true freshman left tackle is the worst thing in the world, right? <laughs> and uh, look, I, I think that LSU, I'm going to pick LSU. We're going to have a clear winner, uh, at least after this week, right? Going into week right. two, we're going to have a clear winner for sure. Uh, but yeah, I got LSU. They got the best player on the field. Like you said, Kayshawn Butte. I'm, I'm going yeah, with dude. that. And I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I don't know a whole bunch about either team, right? So that's just what I'm going <laughs> off of. Kayshawn Butte and Brian Kelly and his track record. All right. Utah, Florida. This is a really interesting one because Utah... It seems like no matter what they do, they're underrated every year. But they are yeah. going to a tough environment in the swamp. Billy Napier, uh, Anthony Richardson, you know. So uh, definitely going to be a very interesting game, one of the best games of week one. And who you got? Are you taking your, your home state Florida Gators? Or are you taking Utah, who you've talked about on the podcast, having a lot of respect for and what they've built? I'm going with the respect, man. I think this is a huge game for the Pac-12. Um, obviously, Oregon, Georgia is the, the most high-profile one, and that would be huge for the conference if they pull off the upset over Georgia. But this is the one where I feel like it's almost like you can't lose this one, Pac-12, right? All, all the stars have a line for you, right? This is a Utah team coming off a Pac-12 title that returns a lot of great players, including their quarterback and, and a lot of guys up front against the Florida program under transition under Billy Napier. It feels like Brian Kelly at LSU. This is a total overhaul at Florida, a total overhaul. So I do think it's going to take some time. Although you mentioned the guy that if I'm picking Utah, that gets me worried. It's Anthony Richardson. He's such a wild card. I mean, he's he's got everything from Heisman hype to you know, people didn't know if he was going to win the starting job. I mean, there's that's the <laughs> yeah. wide range of of the the perception around him. I just saw him at going top ten in a mock draft yesterday. Hit the range around him is crazy because he is so big, he is so athletic. You know, he's doing the backflips, all this this craziness, and the receiver court UF is not bad. Uh, so I do think that they're going to be able to score some points. But Utah is just so fundamentally sound, so physical. I think when they have the ball, I don't know if Florida up front has the horses to slow down this rushing attack. And we know Cam Rising and company is going to play action off of that. Um, and that's where there's inexperience at UF in the secondary. So I just think Utah, the ground and pound game is going to be what travels. Defense in the run game travels, right? And that is that is Utah to a T. So I think it, it will be close, but I think Utah by a touchdown here. Yeah, so as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I, I put on the bottom of the screen our picks from week one, and I also am going to pick Utah as well. Like you said, defense in the running game travels, but it's not just that with this Utah team, right? You have a really good quarterback in Cam Rising uh, as well, nicknamed Thick Boy, right? <laughs> Thick Boy 17, <laughs> one of the best nicknames in college football. And yeah, I'm just going with that machine that they built, right? They've proven us wrong time and time again. Every time we try to sleep on Utah, 
Uh, they remind us to wake up, right? And so I'm not going to sleep on them this time, right? And I have a bet with Brandon Olson of Locked On Gators that the Longhorns will have a better record than the Gators this Yo, year. So I'm incentivized. Brandon mixes it up with all of y'all. I love it. Yeah. I mean, he's like, <laughs> yeah, so. he's talking crap to the Miami pod. I mean, this is... Brandon yeah. Olson, he's he's the Anthony Richardson of of the Lockdown Network. I love. It. Yeah, so I'm I'm incentivized to for for uh, <laughs> Florida to lose this game anyway, right? So I got Utah uh, winning this game, and so we both got Texas beating ULM. Excited for uh, college football this weekend. John Garcia, director of football recruiting, joining me once again on Lockdown Longhorns in this episode, brought to you by LinkedIn. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your college football. I'll see y'all on Monday. Peace.